0: Listen to The Amendment Now, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, fam, it's Amara. Welcome to the Translash Podcast, a show where we tell trans stories to save trans lives. With abortion access under attack across the country, especially in the South, we wanted to highlight someone working on the ground to make abortion safe, accessible, and gender affirming. That's why I'm excited to bring you this bonus conversation with North Carolina-based community organizer and abortion doula, Ash Williams, as part of our Trans Bodies, Trans Choices campaign. Ash is a black non-binary trans femme working at the intersection of abolition, racial justice and abortion access. As a member of the Mountain Area Abortion Doula Collective, Ash provides emotional, logistical and financial support for people throughout the process of getting an abortion. But he doesn't stop there. Ash has trained hundreds of other abortion doulas across the state and country as well. In addition to his incredible work as a doula, Ash has been working on the front lines of the Movement for Black Lives in North Carolina. He has spearheaded multiple efforts, including a successful campaign to end the practice of shackling pregnant incarcerated people in his state and getting a black trans woman transferred to a correctional facility in line with her gender. Ash also took a leadership role in Charlotte Uprising, an abolitionist organization working to build alternatives to policing following the murder of Keith Lamont Scott. Ash holds a master's degree in ethics and applied philosophy and is currently Project Nia's decriminalizing abortion Residents. Ash, thank you so much for joining me, especially at this critical time for you and your work.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be with y'all.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And also thank you for the power of your work. I wanted to start out by having you explain for people who may not be familiar with it at all what an abortion doula is.
0: Thank you for this question. So an abortion doula provides informational, emotional, and when we're given consent, we provide physical support before, during, and after abortion.
1: And why is that necessary?
0: That is necessary because not everyone has the things that they need to be able to access abortion in the very first place. So one of the things that I do outside of the support that I've already outlined is I fund abortions. I don't think that all abortion doulas do this, but I think that all of us should. Um, but funding abortions is a big part of my work because not having enough money for the medical procedure, it could be a reason that someone doesn't have the choice to have an abortion. And so before I can even get to that informational and emotional and even physical support that I am able to offer, I really need to make sure that the abortion is actually a reality for someone. And for a lot of the people that I work with, that means paying for it in full.
1: And we'll provide links for people in our show notes in case they wish to support you or the doula collective that you are a part of. I'm wondering if you can tell us why you think it's essential for trans people to have doulas and why you, as a trans person, decided to be a doula.
0: Mm. So trans people deserve doulas because we deserve to have increased choices. That's what being a doula is all about, increasing the choices for other people. As a trans person, I saw other trans doulas showing up to support people as they were considering gender-affirming surgery, for example, or as they were traversing what it's like to be on hormone replacement therapy, you know, for the first time. And so I see and I saw trans doulas showing up always already in those ways. And I am someone who's had two abortions. I went through the process without the funding that I needed, without realizing that I could advocate for myself at the clinic as it relates to my name and pronouns. And I went without so much of the other information and support that it really takes to make a well-informed decision. And I wanted to make sure that I could show up for other people who want to have abortions, but specifically trans folks who want to have abortions. One of the things that I think separates the Mountain Area Abortion Doula Collective from other abortion doula collectives is that we do provide gender-affirming support. This was important for me as an abortion doula and as someone who's had abortions as a trans person. I wanted to make sure that trans people would have the information, the funding, the support necessary to be able to make the decision. I wanted to make sure that folks knew that we can advocate for ourselves and we should, right? We should advocate for our name and for our pronouns when we are meeting with doctors or talking to people about the care that we deserve. And so I really think that the gender affirming aspect of the care that we provide is such a huge component of MADCO's work and of my work.
1: What will surprise people, although it shouldn't necessarily, is that this work, this work around providing gender-affirming care around abortion and abortion access is being done in North Carolina, in the western part of the state, which is the mountain region of the state, Mm -hmm. and is being done by a black trans person. And so I am wondering what you think it is about where you are and who you are that allows that type of innovative leadership to come to the surface.
0: So I've always believed that Black trans organizers in the South in terms of what we're doing as it relates to mutual aid, abolition, organizing work, otherwise just showing up for ourselves and each other. I believe that like our work should be focused on and looked at in ways that I've seen people talk about other types of people in other places geographically. I certainly believe that being a trans person makes me uniquely prepared to answer the call of abortion access in this time, because I am able to be clear about the connections between abortion access and, you know, attacks on uh, trans people and our families, whether it be through the medical industrial complex or uh, the prison industrial complex and things like K through 12. And so when I do my work as a doula, I'm doing it kind of clear about those connections, and also trying to educate other folks on the importance of them. When it's time to turn up and fight for abortion access, we also have people fighting for and in defense of transgender people and our bodily autonomy, too.
1: Understanding who you are and where you are, and that all around North Carolina, the laws are getting more and more restrictive pushing more and more people into North Carolina, and North Carolina itself has gotten more restrictive. With that pressure, what gets you up every day? And what keeps you going?
0: I am no stranger to, like, the threat of criminalization. I'm currently a defendant, actually, who's waiting to go to trial for a charge that I haven't been seen in court about, and it's been over a year now. I say that to the end of like, I know that this is something that I need to do. I have things that I can do to keep myself and the people that I work for safe while doing it. And I am not afraid of, uh, of what's happening. Here in North Carolina, we've always already been prepared for some of these post row realities that a lot of folks are just getting hip to since June. We always had a 72 hour waiting period, which is, you know, one of the longest waiting periods in the country. We were always trying to figure out how to uh, safely get people to abortion clinics where their communities didn't have one, right? Where we were always trying to figure out how to move people like across state lines to access abortion care. And so we have been really grounded in the support that we've been called to give to be able to show up for folks right now in a way that is vigilant about the shifts and changes, but is also just really clear about like, all right, we need to do what we do, which is provide that emotional, informational, and when giving consent, physical support for abortion, which means funding it. We need to make sure folks have good information. We need to make sure us as doulas, we are up on the changing information for not just North Carolina, but the states around us. And so that's a bit about what we've been doing to kind of answer the call right now. But it has everything to do with remembering how we've been showing up and letting that guide us.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about this case? Because it may help people have greater insight into all of the things that you're facing in what you do.
0: I've been targeted by the police as a Black trans organizer. Abortion isn't the only thing I care about. I really care about abolishing the police and bailing Black trans and queer people out of jails in prisons in North Carolina. And so after the police killed Keith Lamont Scott in 2016, my friends and I asked everyone to demand that Black Lives Matter in Charlotte, North Carolina, Um, and we're the architects of Charlotte Uprising. And since then, the cops have been, you know, on my ass uh, a lot. And one day in 2021, um, as I was showing up to support A community member who was trying to get away from the police, I was arrested and charged with assault on a government official. And I lost my job teaching at the university where I was teaching classes like Black Abolitionist Dreaming and Black Queer and Trans Studies. And, you know, because of those kinds of experiences, what's happening with abortion right now, like, I'm like, let's go. Let's do it.
1: You understand what it's like to possibly be targeted for your work. And you don't take it lightly, but you're still driven by the need. You're still driven by the need.
0: Yes. People who call my burner phone asking for support for their abortion, that is what keeps me going. And as long as people uh, still need support, need gender-affirming support, I'll be there.
1: Is there a moment or a story that crystallized for you why you're doing it. Every now and again, we have these moments of we're all doing what we're doing and can be motivated by it and feel really strongly about it. And then there are these moments that really remind you in a very clear and undeniable way why you're doing what you're doing. And I'm wondering if you can tell us if you've ever had one of those moments and what was it?
0: The thing that's coming up for me the most is actually my own reproductive justice story. Um, And reproductive justice, you know, it asks all of us to go back to ourselves and consider where and how we've, might've experienced reproductive oppression. I'm thinking about the first and second time that I had an abortion and I wasn't sure about, you know, whether I could share my pronouns and my name, my actual pronouns and my actual name with folks at the clinic. I was unclear about the types of abortion that existed. I also struggled to pay because I didn't want to tell the people that were super, super close to me, like at school or some of my cisgender friends, like I knew that I couldn't share, with them, that I needed an abortion and I needed money. And so I actually relied on a lot of queer and trans kindred to show up for me while I was having my first abortion. And so they helped me to fund it. A trans woman actually served me as my abortion doula the first time, even though neither of us were using this language at the time. You know, my iron was low. She cooked collard greens for me after my abortion and she stayed with me for 24 hours after the procedure. And I realized that she was dueling me um, when she was dropping me off and taking me to the appointment. I realized that she was dueling me when she was like telling me that I did a good job after. And that experience really like helped me to think about this is the level of care that people need. And it's no surprise to me that right a trans person offered that level of support to me because we know what we need and I, I know that. And so I wanted to kind of move that forward with this experience of abortion that I had. And moving forward, you know, I needed to have another abortion. And so I had a little bit of the language this time. Uh, I had a little bit more money. I had a similar shitty experience. Uh, And it came down to my experience as a trans person, even though I was able to say like, wait, 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 my name is Ash. My pronouns are, they were they and them at the time. They're he and him now. But, you know, I knew I could say those things, but it didn't mean that anyone was going to actually honor that. And so after the first abortion, I had another one, you know, 2018, that was two years later. And... still, I had this experience that I knew could be different. I saw my friends showing up as my abortion doula. I had already started to like doula other people and started to begin some of my official learning and training as an abortion doula. And then I, I knew that like, all right, it's time to kick it into action. I had a job at an abortion fund at the time that was ready to train a bunch of doulas in the year 2019. And so that summer, my and another staff person, a trans person, we worked to train over a hundred doulas in North Carolina. And from there, I continued showing up to fund abortions for folks. I continued to support people as their abortion doula, to find rides for people, to find childcare, to make sure that folks weren't choosing between their electric bill and the medical procedure that they need to have. I was just trying to figure out what I could do. And then, you know, 2020 comes, the pandemic is Here And I realized, like, I could train other people to become abortion doulas. I saw the increased attacks on abortions. I saw the bans as well back then. And I wanted to make sure I was doing something, my little part.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that one of the most profound things that we can do as human beings, I think, is to take our personal experience and our personal pain and translate that into something good for other people. And it's very interesting for me that when you're talking and when you're describing kind of your journey that like the spirit of Harriet Tubman just keeps coming up for me, you know, very similar in that in that motivation and in that drive. Ash one of the things that strikes me as we're talking about is something that at Translash we've been focused on all year with our Trans Bodies, Trans Versus campaign, which are the deep links between the anti-abortion movement and the anti-trans movement. And that's something that you actually live. Like, you live at the very intersection of where those two things collide. And for people who are in the abortion movement who don't understand that connection and those links, what would you say to those people? What would you say to those people who say, if we... Don't say, women, when we say abortion, that we are erasing women, or that talking about trans people diminishes women in the fight for abortion. What do you say about this intersection and why it's so important?
0: First of all, I remind people that women aren't the only people who have abortions, and I go further to say that people who use he and him pronouns have abortions too, and we deserve gender-affirming care. I also remind them to go back to that third principle of reproductive justice that says that we all deserve to live free from harm from another person, from the government, from the environment, from harsh institutions and infrastructures. I believe that this is where kind of reproductive justice's expansiveness lives. I am thinking about, it's not just me like living at those intersections, it's other folks too. And we deserve the things that reproductive justice says that we can achieve. And so I know that reproductive justice is for everybody. I know that abortion access is about everybody. And I continue to lead with
1: that messaging. And lastly, as we wrap up, sadly, the whole point and strategy of the anti-abortion movement and anti-abortion legislators who are, you know, as we've touched upon, are the same people as are targeting trans people. But their goal through what they're doing is to make this process excruciating. It is to stop people from having abortions, to criminalize people. Cruelty is the point in getting people to stop. It's very Gilead, to steal an analogy from The Handmaid's Tale in its approach. And as a person who is working in this area, I am wondering if you can tell us if you think that's going to work. That is to say, is there a point in the terrain where you might wake up one day and other doulas that you know might wake up one day and say, we can't do this anymore because this is too hard on us? Or are they wrong in their strategy?
0: There are doulas out there who are willing to continue to do this work with the threat of criminalization. With the Mountain Area Abortion Doula Collective specifically, we've committed to each other um, and our community that we're going to continue funding abortions, getting people to their appointments and helping increase abortion access in the ways that we can for all of those who need it it's certainly real that it's discouraged people. And I still see so many more people willing to continue to fight, no matter how long it takes. You know, we acknowledge that abortion is something that as the laws shift and change, it doesn't mean that we stop needing them or wanting them or considering to have them. And so for those of us who are on the front lines of the care work, it goes back to increasing the choices. Like we're trying to make sure that things are still expansive and that people can have all the things they need to make the decisions to take care of themselves. And abortion is just one aspect of this, right? As you're naming that it's about cruelty and it is about control, like for us, it's about bodily autonomy. So while some of them, the right and the anti-choice people, the anti-abortion people, they, I think, think that it begins and ends with this issue. But we know that this is about bodily autonomy.
1: Well, Ash, thank you so much for your work and for your courage and the power of your vision. I know that there are going to be so many people who are cheering for you after hearing about this and everyone that you work with and will be finding ways to support and stand alongside you. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me and for this conversation today.
1: That was community organizer and abortion doula, Ash Williams. Thank you for joining me on the Translash podcast. If you like what you heard, please go to Apple Podcasts to rate and review us. You'll be helping us stop the trolls from dragging down our rating. You can listen to Translash wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on the web at translash.org to sign up for our weekly newsletter. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Translash Media. Like us on Facebook and tell your friends. The Translash podcast is produced by Translash Media. The Translash team includes Oliver Ash Klein and Aubrey Calloway. Our intern is Marana Munson-Burke. Xander Adams is a contributing producer to the show and our sound engineer. Digital strategy is handled by Daniela Capistrano. The music you heard was composed by Ben Draghi and also courtesy of ZZK Records. The Translash podcast is made possible by the support of foundations and listeners like you.